The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. The following Different Brains content was funded in part by the Community Foundation of Broward and support from people like you. In this episode of Exploring Different Brains. Companies talk about ROI all the time, and and that's great, right? Your return on investment. And listen, we understand that the talents and, and the productivity and the loyalty and you know coming to work on time, all those good things, that they're great for companies. But I think there's a bigger piece to this as well, right? Great profit bottom line. Well, what's the return on investment of that person who hasn't had the chance to go to work because they couldn't get in the door because of whatever, X, Y, Z. We're showing that the return on investment is the human piece, right? Maybe that person gets their first apartment or they're going to get their driver's license or you know they found newfound confidence responsibility that's the bigger piece to all of this it'll all work itself out for the company and the culture we hope to change cultures but i think the bigger piece is we need to concentrate on the people coming in making sure that they feel supported and we're going to teach the uh, client organization how to do it Dr. Hacky Reitman, welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're lucky to be welcoming Anthony Pasilio, the Vice President of Neurodiverse Solutions for CAI. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Now, why don't you introduce yourself properly so our audience knows about you? Sure, sure. Uh, Again, I am the Vice President of CAI Neurodiverse Solutions. Uh, my job is a couplefold. I'm brand and media ambassador for one, so I do these types of engagements. Uh, the other bigger piece is I help companies, clients, and organizations build neurodiversity at work programs. I am neurodivergent myself, so I have extreme social anxiety disorder. I have depression, so it's kind of humorous that they give the guy with extreme social anxiety disorder the podcast, the the interviews, all the other good stuff that goes along with that. So, and previous to this, I worked at a financial institution helping to start their autism work program uh, for a number of years. And uh, uh, CAI actually happened to be the very first vendor that I used to bring in neurodivergent talent. So exciting, exciting journey throughout. Very exciting. So your brain is certainly different and you're a whole lot smarter than I am. So <laughs> why don't you... Tell us all about CAI so our audience knows what it is. Sure, absolutely. So we're an end-to-end neurodiversity employment program. So what that really means is we find the talent, look for the talent. We have about 400 to 500 partnerships across the U.S. uh, looking for that talent, cultivating that talent, right? So we do things a little bit differently, non-traditional, obviously a, a very used word, but really the way that we do things is is quite non-traditional by looking at, you know, cognitive um, uh, behaviors. We look at skills and aptitude more than anything, right? Uh, but we're looking, our clients are looking for talent. And what happens is they just don't understand that there's a lot more talent out there. Uh, and we're just kind of pointing them in the right direction. So, we really work with those clients over a set number of, of 
months and years to kind of build the support inside their organization. So we have job coaches, we have service delivery people, we have HR, learning and development, all the things that CAI Neurodiverse Solutions needs to help clients support themselves. You know, hopefully eventually it'll be universal design and, you know, they'll be able to do it on their own. But, you know, a lot of companies right now are, are looking for us to help them break into this uh, and ensure that we are serving uh, the underserved community. And you, uh, you go ahead and stress to these companies that this is good for them because these people have talent and you're stressing their positive talents. Yeah, you know, companies talk about ROI all the time. That, that, and that's great, right? Your return on investment. And listen, we understand, you and I probably more than a lot of people understand that the talents and, and the productivity and the loyalty and, you know, coming to work on time, all those good things, that they're great for companies. But I think there's a bigger piece to this as well, right? Great profit bottom line. Well, what's the return on investment of that person who hasn't had the chance to go to work because they couldn't get in the door because of whatever, X, Y, Z. We're showing that the return on investment is the human piece, right? Maybe that person gets their first apartment or they're going to get their driver's license or, you know, they found newfound confidence, responsibility. That's the bigger piece to all of this. It'll all work itself out for the company and the culture. We hope to change cultures. But I think the bigger piece is we need to concentrate on the people coming in, making sure that they feel supported, and we're going to teach the uh, client and organization how to do it. Anthony, how'd you get into this racket? <laughs> well, it's been a long journey, actually. Um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I was a little probably quirky and maybe odd to some, and, and that's fine. Uh, so I overcompensated, as many people do. And I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go into radio and television when I graduate high school. I'll just become the biggest extrovert known to man. Um, and I did, and I did that for, for a bit, and I realized that I wasn't going to to eat a lot of food in the radio and television industry. Uh, so ramen noodles were my mainstay. And so I knew I had to do something a little bit different, so I went into the financial world. Um, and that's been for the past 20-some-odd years, obviously, hit the 50 stage, but all through that time, like something's been kind of not right, so to speak, internally. And I knew, I, I honestly knew. And, you know, I think uh, it took me going to my last financial institution and they were starting a program, uh, an autism at work program, because they couldn't find talent to do software engineering or QA jobs. And this was in their mortgage banking division. And I happened to be the chief of staff to my boss at the time. And they just, you know, the governor of Delaware, Delaware was involved. And it just, so I happened to all come together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really what I want to do. Um, and I was allowed to kind of build that um, and, and help out and understand there's a lot of folks like me out there that were struggling. Um, and, you know, I, that's really kind of how it started. And I got to speak about it and I got to go out and go see the world. And, you know, by the time I left that financial institution, we were in 10 countries and 40 different job roles and 300 people on the spectrum. And that was it for me. Like I found my absolute calling. There's a lot of stuff in there um, that was very, very challenging and, you know, trying emotionally for me personally, a lot of things that 
probably shouldn't have happened that happened um, personally, but this is who I am now. And the only way I was going to get there is by going through those things. And now I get to impart whatever wisdom I got on other people to tell them that there is just an amazing talent pool out there. You just got to kind of be a human being, have a little empathy, and you're going to see the positives. And so you've been battling the one-size-fits-all syndrome. <laughs> for for way too long. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's that's really, it, it's, it's funny, the one-size-fits-all piece. I just, like, I couldn't get out of that one size to tell them I'm not really that one size. I'm a medium. I'm a nine to ten. Um, they just, like, society wouldn't allow that to happen. And until we kind of break that mold and get out of that one size fits all, I was going to be stuck in that. So I was luckily, you know, diagnosed. I already, already knew, but I was diagnosed and I was able to tell my employer at the time, like, this is who I am. You know, we got to change things up. We got to make it more available to people. We, whatever the support mechanisms are, we have to build X, Y, and Z. And I think that's why we do what we do. And I love coming on programs like yours to say that. Like, I want people to hear that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. Well, we are happy to have you here at Different Brains. How would you say that CAI differs from some of the other companies who might be working in this space? Yeah, I, I think we do it a little bit differently in the fact that we are really, we're, we're not really a direct hire sort of company. We have felt from inception that it's a person first organization. And that means meaning supporting the individuals, but also looking at the tribe mentality, the camaraderie and bringing in three to five, four to six individuals with a supportive mechanism, which we call a team lead and utilizing it in that capacity. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll see companies not in that service providers per se, but companies going, Hey, listen, I just need one person in finance, but I need another person in the back office operations. And that's great. But here's what happens sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, if somebody doesn't do well, they're soured on the program, right? They're like, oh, you know, this didn't work. And, you know, I, th I think that might not be the way that we want to go. And th that's not what we want to employ, meaning that's not the feeling we want to take whatever conceptual risk that people feel about it and take that out. So that's why we're putting in cohorts of individuals. Not It doesn't have to be in the same job per se, but the same job function because our team lead is versed as a subject matter expert in whatever that job function is, but is also neurodiverse certified as well. So they're the, they're the, the, the coach and the mentor, they're a conduit between the management team and our associates. There's a, there's a bigger support system built in there. Can you expand upon how you go into a certain area, let's say right here in South Florida, yeah. and how you find ways to support the local neurodiverse community. Yeah, I, I think it's great, a very timely discussion uh, because Commissioner Raquel Regalado just had an event, My, My Ability uh, in Miami, and we had met Commissioner uh, about a year or so ago at an event in Houston, and she's like, hey, listen, we, we need to have you come here and talk, and you know, 
a huge advocate. Um, and those little pieces of meeting people and just happenstance, we start to understand that, okay, maybe South Florida, you know, Dade County, like maybe there's something else in there. Here's what happens. Those events, luckily, you know, she's able to bring in a lot of businesses, small and large, to come and listen to all of us, right? So there's community colleges and colleges that come in and different employers and Goodwill was there. That's how the the motion of this kind of movement starts to pick up. And it's just those little things that kind of say to small, medium, large businesses, we can do this too. I think the call to action at the end of that event and things that we're doing is go back and look at your organization and see where neurodiversity fits in. You already have people to the left and to the right of you who are neurodiverse. They may not have disclosed, but how do you support them? And maybe how do you build a program? And that's what we're, that's what we look to do in those pockets. Walk us through what a candidate's experience is, you know, from when they first connect with you. Yeah. So, and there's a couple of ways that, a couple of different ways that they can connect, right? We have a large kind of college university portfolio, right? We're, we're making friends in, in different places across the country, but there's also, you know, uh, OVR and, you know, different nonprofits. And so we're able to find talent there in those particular places. Uh, and, but we need to know whether the, the job opportunity is remote, hybrid, or on-site because geography plays a large part of it. And I think once we identify candidates to come in, we're not going and saying, hey, listen, you know, you're going to have a panel interview. It's going to be six people. It's going to be four hours over two days. We're literally calling them up and saying, hey, listen, if you want an advocate on the phone with you while we talk initially, please do. We want you to feel very comfortable in talking to us. So we'll reach out initially with a phone call. Talking to that candidate, we'll put them through what we have as a neurodiverse, it's easy for me to say, neurodiverse uh, friendly hiring platform. We use gamification. Um, we go through and whether they want to use video or not video to do maybe answer a question. They can use teams. They can use the phone if they wish. It's not timed. We're not putting pressure. So we're trying to take the anxiety out of that. After that piece, we have what we call a talent discovery session, which is like a two to three day extended job interview where we're looking at how do they work independently or collaboratively? But it's also about the job, right? So we have a client and, and they want us to do make a widget of XYZ. Well, we're going to put them through the, the job starts at eight and ends at five. We're looking to see if they show up at, on time at eight, right? Taking the breaks, coming back. We're looking at those time management, executive function skills. And at the end of those two to three days, we're able to make with all the people that we have kind of looking in, listening in, a bigger kind of robust decision about what that individual may need from an accommodation standpoint or non-accommodations at all. We're able to place the person who's going to be a good fit within the organization, meaning we want them to be successful. And we're taking out, you know, the onboarding process is typically large and cumbersome, you know, to go get drug tested and fingerprinted. We're providing uh, you know, Google Maps of where to go. And here's the train schedule. If you don't take, you know, if you don't drive, what's the public transportation? Here's your, here's who you're going to meet at the door. Here's what the door looks like. Like companies don't go to that depth to make sure that people understand where they're going, who they're going to meet. 
we are going that extra step. And by the end of that, hopefully we're replacing an individual in a company. Now, obviously one part of having a strong neurodiverse workforce is making sure they have the education they need as well as the on-site training. And from your perspective, your perspective, how are universities doing at setting up neurodiverse students for success, independent of you, if you will? But so let's let's take it in, in the like I said earlier, I go to a lot of colleges and universities. I, I, I talk to the administrators of faculty. I'm always looking for what do they have from a disability and career services? How does that look? Um, I, I think what we find is that I think they're about 99% of the way there in trying to support the students. There's there's one piece from a, one piece from an educational standpoint. They're always asking us, so you know, what's the newest thing? What's what's the curriculum supposed to look like? What are we not teaching? Right, that's a big part of it. We know what the jobs are coming from the clients and organizations, and maybe that university is not doing that or they're knocking it out of the park and they have a whole bunch of candidates that are just, you know, their young students are waiting to get in. I think where we see success is where there's enough career advisors, counselors, whatever you want to call them, to ensure that the the student has a good backdrop of support. Where it can be challenging at times is where universities have a newer program and they're getting their feet wet and they're they're asking what should come next for the student, right? And these students, they they, they can be 18 to 22, they could be 22 to 52, right? Or, or 62, and they're still fi- trying to find their way. And I think where we're, we're leading them to is ensuring that we don't, how should I say it? We, we, we take a little bit more, res- they take a little bit more responsibility, meaning the student, and Sometimes over the years of, of elementary, secondary, high school, there's a lot of handholding, and we're trying to get the independence out of the individual, and we're trying to find what that nook and cranny is to, to kind of draw it out of them. I think sometimes there, there may still be some of that handholding. We're trying to build that independence. So when we're going in there, executive functions go, all right, it is also okay to fail, um, and you got to let the student sometimes do that in a supportive way though. So I think that's kind of the educational piece that uh, that we see. Tell us about some of the work you've done with our friends at Beacon College. <laughs> yeah, we love Beacon College. We, uh, we signed a memorandum of understanding a bit ago. Um, we took a visit down there to, to see, I wanted to see firsthand with my eyes, the campus. What does it look like? How does it feel? I was blown away because they took a college campus of neurodivergent students, right? Mostly, or probably all at this point, neurodivergent students who have a plethora of different uh, things going on, dyslexia, dyspraxia, everything, and put it right in the middle of a town. How amazing. And, And I had to ask the question. I'm like, so is everybody like integrated community? They're like, yeah, they are now. Like, it, it took a while for everybody to be embedded. But as you walk down the street, you have a restaurant here, and then you have college admissions right here next to it. And I think 
they do a wonderful job of being open and welcome. And I will tell you this, an amazing career fair there too, right? So they had, I don't know, 20, 30 businesses, some of them service providers, but local businesses as well. And these students were coming in and they had everything to a T provided uh, so that there would be no, like, where do I go next? Who do I talk to? Like there was guidance. And these are what these young adults were needing, right? So now they know that there's employers out there for them. There's also employers like us who go maybe a little bit farther with them from a supportive mechanism. And we had one young lady at Beacon, and I'll never forget her. And she came in and she she stood in front of myself and her talent acquisition uh, coordinator, Nick Allen, and she was... She looked at us, she said, I don't know if I can ever work. And we kind of asked her, like, well, why is that? She goes, well, I don't know all the skills, but, you know, as you can see, I'm a little, I, I just, I'm shy. I'm like, listen, here's what we're here. Here's what 40 other businesses are here to tell you. We're looking for your skills and aptitude. It's okay that you might be a little shy, but if you can do the job, and help their bottom line and maybe help change their culture, you're, you've are you already won. And the smile that comes to her face, she goes, I can't wait to tell my parents what you just said. Oh, like, okay, heartwarming moment. Um, you know, it gets you in the fields, you got little goosebumps. But that's kind of the continued theme at Beacon College. Like, these kids are coming in, maybe a little bit uh, shy, but man, by the time it ends, they're just smiling and laughing with you. And that's all we really want, right? Absolutely. You know, I was so honored to uh, give the commencement address there a while back. And I met so many of the students. I spent some time on the campus. And they just blew me away. I mean, they're, they're really. Um, and it really made me feel good about all of the players who, like yourself, and the organizations that get what Temple Grandin said, <laughs> different, not less. That's all. We're different. And I was so glad to see the relief I gave them when I told some of my story. Look, I got expelled in the first grade and the 10th grade, <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> you know, and I, I still got where I was going. And, and you work hard and you play hard and you value friendship and a lot of the values that they have at Beacon College. And I was so glad to see and learn how they were, their approach was there. I was. Here's the other thing that they have. They have amazing facilities too, right? So, you know, these kids are coming in and my gosh, they have a swimming pool. They're getting new sports complexes. Like there's things to do, right? They don't have to stay in the four walls in their actually really nice dorms to, you know, they can go out and experience life. That's what it's really about. Um, Anthony, what have we not covered that you would like to cover today and tell our audience? Yeah, I, I think the, the most important part is, you know, from, from my perspective is that we need to develop a different culture within small, medium, large businesses that, we can employ universal design. We want to be able to teach them mechanics and mechanisms of hiring individuals and not utilizing the old school thought processes. 
we need to change that narrative, right? We want human beings who love human beings so that they can be human beings at work. And I think the, the empathy factor is still a little bit lacking in the workplace, but we're getting there. We're moving the needle, but it's just probably not as fast as I want it to go, right? I've been doing this for, for a long time, um, but I still see that there is a huge need for people like ourselves to talk about this to get it out to the masses so that they can see, right? So I think, you know, everybody listening in today, I think we just need to sit back, take take a, take a moment and understand that we should be helping our fellow man, woman, they, he, she, all of it, try to succeed. And we need to be able to give them the tools in order to do that. And I think that's probably the biggest piece as a takeaway. And that... Mr. Company President you're talking to will result in your company making more money. <laughs> it, it will. It's just kind of the natural progression. And I think it's, it's missed, right? We, we try to tell companies and organizations, this will lead to this, right? We, we give them the whole curve up the mountain thing. And they're like, well, you know, isn't it, isn't it uh, cost prohibitive or aren't I going to have to pay for accommodations. Well, like not everybody needs accommodations, right? It might be a simple noise canceling headphone or a visor because the lights too, these are nothing. But wait till you see the 120% increase in productivity because you got somebody who was focused on doing the job at hand. Very well said. Why should a company out there consider using a neurodiverse workforce? As I stated, I am neurodiversion, and it's giving the opportunity to someone like me who has struggled a long time to get employment opportunities to show the world what they can do. How can people learn more about CAI? Absolutely. They can either go to CAI.io, uh, and we have the website, and they're able to, to get a hold of us that way, or they can email myself, uh, Anthony. Basilio at CAI.io. Anthony, what advice would you have for a neurodiverse individual who is just now starting to look into working? Yeah, so there's there's a couple things. Uh, I think the first piece of advice is don't be nervous. Um, I think there's a lot of neurodiverse-friendly companies out there that are hiring. Uh, rejection letters seem to come in, not just for neurodivergent individuals, but for neurotypical uh, people as well, but also to understand that there's companies like CAI Neurodiverse Solutions who can help that individual navigate the employment uh, institution, so to speak. Well, Anthony Pasilio of CAI Neurodiverse Solutions, thank you so much for all you're doing for those of us whose brains are a little bit different and for all these companies you're helping to make more profit. Keep up your great work and please stay in touch. Thanks. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.